0: Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Two weeks ago, we began to unveil our spiritual direction and theme for this year. Our theme is building a daily New Testament church. And so I'm trying to do what I can to move us toward the first century. A lot of things in the first century I don't want to go back to. Like, I like air conditioning, I like Dairy Queen. I like a soft bed. I like cars and SUVs. But there's some things I want to get back to in the first century church. And I'm really hungry to get there. Acts 6.1. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying I want that phrase to arrest your attention In those days In other words Luke is saying to his readers you know what I'm talking about It was that season when disciples were multiplying Everybody say disciples were multiplying I'm not even to get into the rest of this Right here, chapter 6, you know, there's a crabby old ladies were, you know, they weren't getting their food first, and the racism raised its head, and I've preached all of that, and I'm not going to deal with that today. Uh, But I want to skip down to verse 7. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in jerusalem i don't think this is two separate multiplications but i think this is a continuum i think this is a season that was marked by an extraordinary impact in jerusalem when disciples were being multiplied if you're a guest today I want you to know that at the Life Church, we talk about disciples. Uh, we're Christians. Jesus Christ is our champion. He's our Savior, our Lord. But we don't want to act like lazy 21st century Christians do. We want to act like the first generation Christians did live like they lived, do what they did, so we can see what they saw and have what they had. And if the Lord will help me today, I want to challenge and encourage and edify you in a message I want to entitle, When the Disciples Multiplied. Would you say that with me? When the Disciples Multiplied. And everybody's going to help me preach by saying amen at least one time. Maybe seated. Thank you so much. But I could use another one or two along the way. Or three or four. Here at the Life Church, we're endeavoring to build a daily New Testament church. Everybody say daily. daily. We are not interested in a CEO church, Christmas and Easter only, but we're reaching for a daily church. And we're not quite there yet. But in the last few years at the Life Church, we've been reaching. Endeavoring toward the lifestyle of a first century believer in the 21st century church. On January 8th of this year, we kicked off our theme, building a New Testament, a daily New Testament church. And we gave you the Give Me Five vision. How good are your memories? Are your memories at least two weeks long? Amen. Everybody say, give me five. Turn to somebody, give them a high five and say, give me five. So what, what were the five? What are the five attitudes, the five behaviors? The five reaches back toward the first century that we're trying to grasp and put in our lives. We gave you refrigerator magnets. We gave you window and mirror stickers. We gave you a trifold. How many still have your trifold? Well, thank the Lord. Unpack it. Look at it. Here's where we're going. Here's what we're reaching for. The five are prayers on location, Bible studies, spiritual conversations, acts of service, but not just passing out water to random people, but having a redemptive conclusion in mind when serving someone. You want to get someone's attention. You want to be kind because God knows we need more of the milk of human kindness. But beyond being kind, we want to have a conversation with someone and tell our story. And finally, making social connections, inviting people to coffee, connecting with people, Walking in a room and saying, there you are and not here I am. And making your life about others and not about yourself. In fact, if you could boil down Christianity to one word, it would be others. Turn to somebody and say others. Look around and sort of raise your eyebrows and shake your head and look around the whole church and say others. Others. Make it about others. Don't make it about you. Make it about others. So... I'm going to ask you a question. This is really scary for me because I'm hoping somebody will at least raise their hand. And I know this is sort of a small church thing. This is not a big church thing I'm doing right now, but just bear with me, okay? So I want to ask you in the last two weeks, if you have engaged in at least one of those five choices, just raise your hand. Just, just, if you just did one. Hey, look at that. Hey, look at that. Let's give ourselves a hand. At least one. At least one. And if we continue to reach, have conversations, put prayer on location, I already know that there are testimonies. How many have already got a testimony? Raise your hand. I won't, add, I won't push shove a mic in your face, but you got a story. Look at that. Testimonies already of how God is blessing it and what God is doing. And so we thank the Lord. Uh, This is sort of scary for me too, but in the last 12 months, we've been talking about disciples making disciples, disciples going and baptizing disciples. In the last 12 months, listen carefully, if you have baptized at least one disciple in the last 12 months, I want you to raise your hand. If you baptize one disciple, raise it high. I want to see it. I want to see it. Look at this. Look at this. Hey, look at this. Come on, we're on our way. We're on our way. Praise God. What is the point of Give Me Five? What is the point of calling us to a fast, which we did on January the 8th, and we're doing the fast through, this will be the last week, taking us to the 29th of January for this fast. Why are we fasting, and why are we praying? It's simple. We want to impact the culture. We want to reach our city. We want to see Jesus Christ invade lives of other people like he's invaded our lives. And how many can say, since the day you met Jesus and you invited him into your life and you were born of the water and the spirit, your life is better. Amen. He's delivered you. He's set you free. He's changed your life. He redeemed you and lifted you. Amen. So our story is worth telling. It's worth sharing. And we thank God for it. The text says, in those days when the disciples were multiplying. Twice in the first seven verses of Acts chapter 6, it specifically says, disciples were multiplying. Now I want to give you a cursory review of the context of that Or those phrases. You talk about New Testament apostolic behavior. Chapter 3. A lame man who's been laid at the gate beautiful of the temple every day for his entire life. And everybody knows him. Everybody walks by him. Tosses a coin in his cup. His beggar's cup. One day he's walking and leaping and praising God. Would that get your attention? (laughs) It shook the city. It shook the religious leaders. Instead of them saying, well, praise God. Finally, God's broke in and God healed this man. And now he can go get a job and pay his tithes. (laughs) Well, I got an amen, a, a rigorous amen. Praise God. You know, I like to have a little bit of fun when I'm communicating. But. This miracle elevated the church to a whole new level, even more than or in addition to the outpouring on the day of Pentecost, the previous chapter. And now in chapter four, Peter and John get called in question and they're beaten and they retort to the high priest, whether it be right in the sight of God to obey man rather than God. Judge ye, But we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. In other words, they're saying, you know, have a nice day, Caiaphas, but we're going to obey God and not you. And so they get beaten and they go right back out on the streets and they start preaching again. Now we fast forward to chapter 5. My, my, my. Chapter 5, you got to understand that during the day of Pentecost, season of celebration, Some 50,000 Jews, visitors, have invaded Jerusalem to celebrate. And they're all Jewish, but they come from other uh, nations. And they have their own languages. And the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2. 17 different people groups, language groups are there, but they have a common thread. They're all devout Jews from every nation under heaven. And these people that have been filled with the Spirit speaking with tongues and have been baptized, they're not immediately ready to go back to their home city, nation. And so they're hanging out in Jerusalem and they overwhelm the hotels and all the places where they can stay and they don't have sources of income. And so the locals begin to sell items. They begin to sell lands and houses and whatever they can to... uh, to help support the relatives and the friends and the people and the new friends that have come in because the apostles are teaching and preaching and equipping and and you talk about God's brilliance. Listen, God's brilliant. He sends 50,000 plus Jews from 17 different nations, baptizes them in the Holy Ghost. They get baptized in Jesus' name, and he's going to send them like like Samson who tied 300 foxtails together with a firebrand in the middle of them and sent them out and burnt all the Philistines' corn down. This is what God is getting ready to do. He baptizes them in Jerusalem, and now he sends them back to their nations. There's no wonder there was a worldwide shaking revival. And so they need financing, they need resources, and people are selling things. And, and we see the unity and the humility and the partnership, and, and people are bringing money and they're laying it at the apostles' feet. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm just teasing. <laughs> but you got to think about that there's unity, there's sacrificial giving. And why are they laying it at the apostles feet I'm going to tell you why because they understood spiritual authority and you show me a church where there's no spiritual authority and I will show you a church that is dead twice dead plucked up by the roots. But when there is a church that has spiritual authority in it, and you believe that the pastor and the leadership are men and women of God who are called into the five-fold ministry, amen, God will bless you for that, and he will bless the church for it. But look what happened. Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Ghost, and they gave their offering in a deceptive way. And they were confronted. The Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit operated. Peter said, did you sell the land for so much? They said, yea, for so much. They were trying to look like what they were not. They were deceiving the Holy Ghost. And the Bible said that Ananias fell down at the feet of Peter. And three hours later, you think we have long church services? Three hours later, Sapphira, his wife, come in. Comes in, she attests the same lie and she falls down, and there's two fresh graves out in the churchyard cemetery. Now, this is the context, but look what happened. And again, I'm not taking the time that perhaps I should, but the Bible says, great fear came on the church. Let me tell you something. What would get our attention if somebody stood up right now and defied and called me or who's ever preaching a liar and tried to make something out of themselves that they were not. If we're a prayed up church, if we're a fasting church, if we're a spiritual church, you can't get away with putting your hand on spiritual authority. I know what I'm talking about and I'm not trying to line my pockets today and the people of this church know that I would serve anybody and I would do anything for anybody in this church. This is not a power trip for me. And furthermore, you show me any pastor who's doing anything for God and I will show you a man who's been hurt, crushed, broken, and been in too much pain to ever be seduced by your applause. And still smiling. And still excited about the work of the Lord. In verse, chapter four, verse thirteen, it says that Peter and John, their antagonists, looked at them and said, "These are followers of Jesus." They took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Everybody say, "Been with Jesus." So they're imitating Jesus, and they have boldness. And they're preaching and the church is giving sacrificially and the Bible says great fear came upon the church, but that was followed by miracles, wonders and signs. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, or where it's going to happen. But I'm praying that everything that we've seen, I don't want anybody to fall dead in church. Believe me, I'm telling you, if you do, we're going to lay hands on you and raise you back from the dead. In the name of Jesus Christ, unless you're a low down, no good liar like Ananias and Sapphira, then we're going to take you out and bury you. But praise God. I tell you, the filter's getting thinner every year. But every miracle in that book, I want to see it every breaking in of god in the book of acts i want to see it i want to live to the day when we say disciples were multiplied disciples were being multiplied i haven't seen it yet i haven't lived long enough to see it yet but i'm gonna see it by the grace of god i want it to happen right here where disciples are being multiplied come on let's celebrate 90 people we saw the video 90 people Praise God. So, Luke is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And this is perhaps some 20 to 30 years after the event. But Luke was a brilliant writer. Even secular literary professors will celebrate how Luke gathered information and put it together for a purpose. And we're so blessed. My father-in-law used to say, my Lord, the King, I love your word. And he would kiss the Bible. And we're blessed today to have the narrative of the book of Acts. And Luke is showing the growth pattern of the church In those days when the number of disciples were multiplying. God anoints him to write about that church in Jerusalem. He was not writing about an organization of 40,000 churches around the world. He wasn't speaking from a corporate perspective, but he's saying one local church in Jerusalem. Disciples were multiplying. Not one person here has ever seen that. Nobody's ever seen it. I haven't seen it. I've been in the church for 65 years. But I've seen glimpses of it. But every promise in the book is ours. If we will do what they did. Five apostolic behaviors. Bible studies. Spiritual conversations. How about some miracles on the streets? How about you laying hands on somebody sick and saying, in the name of Jesus? I, I just got a text uh, from someone this week, and they said uh, there was a boy, little boy in the hospital, and the pastor couldn't get to him. I know who it was. It was Andy Carpenter. He texted me, and he said, I, I, they wouldn't let me in to pray. And the dad was not a believer The father was not a believer but he said I anointed him and I sent him in. He wasn't even filled with the Holy Ghost. He wasn't even a Christian. He said I can't go in there and pray for your son but you can go in there and pray for him and he explained the process and he went in there. He anointed the boy. He laid hands. He prayed in the name of Jesus and that boy came walking out of the hospital the next day. I'm telling you, you're one miracle away. You're one miracle away. It's time for you to lay hands on the sick. If we want to see the multiplied. We've got to do what they did. What are we waiting for? In Jesus' name. Don't call me. Pastor, you got to get over here right away. I'd rather you come in here with a testimony. I don't have to be there to approve it and to sign off on it. Just go do it. I don't know if you know it or not, but you won't hear that across many pulpits of America. And so Luke, he's, he's saying there was a season. And he's sort of looking back on that. Oh, I remember when the disciples were being multiplied. It was such a gracious, glorious season to be in. We were doing what we could, but God was doing more than what we could ever do. We were doing everything we could do, but God was doing everything he could do. We were doing what only we could do, but God was doing what only he could do. Are you listening to me today? And Luke refers to this season knowing that his audience would say, yes. I remember that special time. There was that season when people were coming from everywhere. And nobody could take the credit for it. Nobody got a trophy. But God got all the glory. And it seemed like every day we were baptizing somebody. Every day. Come on, are we going to become a daily church at the Life Church? When are you going to baptize your disciple? We've got 300, maybe 365 here today. If you'll start working with somebody, working on somebody, we can become a daily church and one of these days we'll look back and say, do you remember that year when everybody baptized somebody? Do you remember that five year window of time when people caught on fire and we had miracles and our kids came back and backsliders came back and entire churches were baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the Holy ghost I want to look back and say that If I could call this season an epoch You know what an epoch is It's a specific window of time that is marked or distinguished by a certain set of features or unique characteristics. For example, in American history, we celebrate and talk about certain epochs that identify a definite extraordinary time in our history. And, and when you say these phrases, we, we, we have an imagery and we, we recall. For example, the pilgrims. You got the epoch of the pilgrims, right? How about the revolution? You thinking about the founding fathers and those who signed the declaration? And how about a horrible epoch with a wonderful result, the Civil War? And then the Industrial Revolution, the epoch of the two world wars from 1917 to 1945, and then there was the epoch of the 1960s. That's when I was growing up. Illicit drugs, free love, flag burning, rebellion against the establishment, including the government and marriage and the unborn, and prayer in schools and Woodstock and the civil rights movement, which needed to happen. And during that decade, we put a man on the moon. But I'm just saying the 60s was a time of upheaval. It was a time of turmoil. How many, how many are, were, know what I'm talking about? See, I wore my suit today that matches my hair. I grew up in the 60s. It was a turbulent time. Our nation was shaken. And I still remember feeling a little bit unsettled. And the status quo was challenged. And I'm sure that a lot of good came out of the 60s. But one of those good things, one of those things was... That was not good was the Beatles. Because they brought Eastern religion and drugs. And introduced it to this generation and others did. Let me move on. So Luke, I want you to understand what an epoch is. It's it's this window of time marked by certain features. and, And Luke looks back at this sort of epoch. A special, memorable season of harvest where disciples were multiplying greatly. Now, here at the Life Church, we have a few epochs. Oh, yes, we do. And first picture I want to show you. uh, I've seen this around. You've seen it. This is 40th and Harrison, what we affectionately call 40th and Harrison. This is an epoch, people. This is a city church. My... My home church looks a whole lot like that's where church, churches were on street corners. In fact, back in those days, pastors didn't pastor churches with names, they pastored street corners. What church do you go to? 40th and Harrison. What church do you go to? 13th and Gravoy. My church was Hagen, Victoria. Marlene's was 5th and Victory. It was street corners. I don't know why they did that, but that's the way it was. And if you look real close, right in the middle, you'll see Joyce Sims with an afro. (laughs) We want to see some of that again. This is probably 1974. Do you see the buses? Do you see the buses? That, That season was marked. Amen. If you are in that picture, would you raise your hand? (laughs) tell your dad to raise his hand Tim come on Jim who else and Joyce come on they're still here people but I'm gonna tell you something this church loves that epoch because it was the beginning Look how multicultural it is. Look how diverse it is. Look how multi-generational it is. That was a church that was impacting lost people and wasn't just reaching for a certain kind of a person, but they were just reaching for hungry people. That's in the DNA of the Life Church. That's where we started. That's where we came from. And, and, and let, me, let me tell you something else. That was a pastoral transition. Because the outgoing pastor W.C. Parkey is in the picture, and the incoming pastor, R. L. Gilstrap, is in the picture. Transitions also introduce epochs of certain generations. And certainly our church, we've elected Pastor Justin as our future pastor. He's the pastor elect. And I got to tell you, I'd like to pastor for the rest of my life, but I'm not going to pastor forever. But God's given us a five-fold ministry, young man and his wife, and this church is going to go places it's never gone. Come on, people. It's an epoch. We've already been through this. This ain't no big deal. All right, let me show you another picture. Look at this one. That's March 31st, 2002. That's, for you new ones, that's 7020 South Richmond. Listen, the building was a metal building, 15,000 square feet. The men in our church built that building with their own hands. And they celebrated. There's, Kenny's still here. He helped build it. Tim, Jim, I don't know, but your dads did. And that building cost $210,000. <laughs> Can we have a moment? <laughs> and they paid for it with peanut brittle sales. It's not like some of you want to get back in the peanut brittle business. Let me tell you something, all of those that made and sold peanut brittle, they don't want to have nothing to do with peanut brittle. In fact, at Christmas time, they don't even accept gifts of peanut brittle. And I asked our board of directors early on, what's the most we ever raised in one year for a building program? They said (laughs) $25,000. I said, well, next year we're gonna raise 100,000. This was 1998. They said, well, how are we going to do that? We never sell that much peanut brittle. And we're not going to sell one lousy bag of peanut brittle. How are we going to do that? I said, I'll tell you how we're going to do it. We're going to give it. And we did. And we've done much more than that, of course. But raise your hand if you're in that picture. Look at that. Come on. Raise your hand if you're in that picture. That's. I counted noses. There's about 240. And that's about all that church would seat. We were maxed out 80% and beyond. We had chairs. We had over 100 chairs out. You can see some of those chairs down the right side uh, aisle there. And we did the best we could. But then we had another epoch. We went on a seven-year relocation journey. That was our last Sunday in the building. You remember, we walked out with the pulpit and the bass fiddle and uh, the mission wall. Brother Harvey and Sister Harvey, we're going to take our missions program with us. We're going to take the bass fiddle that represented apostolic worship. We still got it. It's up in a storage room collecting dust. But we got it, and we took the pulpit, which represents our doctrine and our message, and we, we carried him out into a U-Haul truck and we gave everybody a refrigerator magnet with a U-Haul truck shape. And it said, together we're going somewhere. Anybody remember that? Anybody still got the magnet? <laughs> well, that's been 21 years ago, almost. And then seven years homeless. Everybody say Epoch. I think you get it. I think you understand And we went out with 240 and one local pastor. He said, you did what? I said, we sold our building. He said, oh, I'm afraid for you. I'm scared. You're going to lose all your people. Well, that never crossed my mind because I'm an exhorter. Let's go and we'll figure it out later. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready to go bear hunting with a stick right now. And we'll figure out what to do with the bear when we get there, but let's go. And uh, so we were like Abraham. We went out not knowing where we were going, but I went to a conference. It was not a conference of our denomination, but the preacher called me out. He called out three people. In fact, I'll tell you who it was. It was T.D. Jakes. You can't make this stuff up. And I was there in the second row, and he prayed for two people over there, and I got my head down. I don't know if I've ever told this here. And uh, he said, you, sir, come here. I got my head down. He said, you, sir, with the blue shirt. I said, wait a minute. I got a blue shirt on. (laughs) There was 4,000 people there. I look up. He's standing right in front of me. Put your Bible down. Get up here. I walked up there, he put the mic down, he put his hand on my head, he said, you have reached for something amazing, an incredible vision. He said, and some have tried to speak fear into your spirit. He said, God is canceling the fear right now. You are walking in faith. This big thing that God has called you to do, the Lord is with you. He's called you to do it. Oh, I gotta tell you, I can go a long time on one word from God. I don't care who it is. I don't care who God's going to use. And we went out with 240 and we came in here with 288 on our first Sunday, November 19th, 2006. Hallelujah! It was an epoch of blessing. I gotta tell you, those seven years were the most exciting years of my life. I didn't know how we're gonna do it, I didn't know how we're gonna pay for it. And those of you that took the journey, you stood with us. But look what God has done, and look how far we have come. And now we're into the finishing strong epoch. And I won't say much about that because it's been well documented and it's the most fresh in our minds. But I, just give me a few more minutes. I got something I got to tell you. I wish I could convince you that God is breaking in. My sweet sister Pam's over here. We grew up in an amazing church. I've got another picture. Put that up there, Noah. This is our home church. And this ABI students, if you look real close, I don't have a pointer. If you look on the second row, the second guy in from the right, do you know who that is? It's Lee Stoneking. He's a Bible school student. And it was just a year or two after this. Hear me now. Prophet Kenneth Reeves, pastor of Granite City, Illinois. Some of you knew him. He comes to his church on a Sunday night. And he says, I don't have a message tonight. God didn't give me a message, but I had a vision. And sometimes... We need the message, and sometimes we need the vision. And he said, I had a vision. This is in 1970. Now listen, this is when only the Pentecostals were clapping their hands. This is when only the Pentecostals were speaking with tongues. This is when only the Pentecostals had bands on their platforms of drums and basses and guitars, and my pastor went to the drums kicking and screaming. In fact, I was probably the breakthrough drummer at our camp meeting I know I was can you imagine no drums because we don't want rock and roll in this church well you got to understand the context and and so Pam something happened in our church in 1971 prophet Reeves said about 1970 Marvin Walker I talked to him yesterday He passed it in Troy, Michigan. He was present in Granite City as a a college student, and he heard every word of that prophecy. He said the Holy Ghost is going to fall in the... the west coast and it's going to fall among college students and hippies and drug addicts and the Holy Spirit's going to break in and then it's going to come across the Midwest and then it's going to hit the east coast and like a wave it's going to boomerang all the way back across America and our church had a breaking in of God and I want to tell you something the Holy Ghost started falling in Catholicism. The Holy Spirit started falling in the Lutheran churches and the Baptist churches we call it the charismatic renewal. Amen. It wasn't just among the Pentecostals anymore, but God was jumping over barriers and he's saying, I'm coming in. I'm coming in wherever there's hunger. It was an epoch of the pouring out of the spirit. And right there in this building, about three years later, I'm 14 years old. And all these strangers are coming. These college kids. In fact, if you look at a book called Nine O'Clock in the Morning, Nine O'Clock in the Morning, it's written by a guy, the Lord will help me find it. Dennis Bennett was an Episcopalian priest. You talk about shaking the status quo. No Episcopalians were speaking in tongues, but God baptized him in the Holy Ghost. And he writes about it. It sold two or three million copies. And this guy named John Sherrill was a skeptical reporter, investigative reporter. He wrote a book, They Speak with other tongues and prophet reeves said it will shake the world to the point where it will be all over the media of course in those days no internet tv radio newspapers and everybody was writing about it and everybody was talking about it and i'm telling you in the fear of god my holy ghost is telling me it's time for another breaking in it's time for a revival that's gonna transcend our walls. It's gonna be bigger than the United Pentecostal Church. It's gonna be bigger than the Life Church. We're gonna look back and say, I remember when the disciples were multiplying, they were coming from everywhere. We couldn't control it. We couldn't manage it, but it just came. Oh, I don't want to miss the time of our visitation. I don't want to miss the time of our visitation. Come on, do you want it? Are you ready for your program to be smashed to pieces? Are you ready for the status quo of this church to be shaken up? Are you ready for strangers to come? Are you ready for the hippies? Are you ready for the drug addicts? Are you here ready for the bankers and the lawyers? Are you here? Oh, come on. I'm tired of church as usual. I want to see an epoch. I want to see it. I want it. I want to baptize pastors. I don't want to just baptize disciples. I want to baptize pastors in the name of Jesus. I want the Holy Spirit to fall in their congregations. Oh, let's stand. (laughs) Come on, do you want this? Are you ready for your church to be wrecked? Huh? Are you ready to give up your seat? You're going to come in here one Sunday and somebody's sitting in your spot? Are you going to get mad and walk out? Or are you going to find another place? Because they're coming. Come on. Are you ready for the status quo to be shook up? Are you ready? Hallelujah. For God to blow your mind. I wish I could get somebody up here that would start travailing and praying with me. Come on. Come on up here. Come on, the Life Church. Let's get after it. Come on. Pray God use me. Lord, let me be the catalyst. Give me that miracle. Lord, let me lay hands on them. Lord, I'm gonna be the one to go have conversation. I'm gonna baptize disciples. One person in this house can set off a revival. Your miracle, your miracle can trigger a revival. (laughs) <laughs> uh-huh. Hallelujah! Come on, let it fall on you. Let the fire of Pentecost. Let the fire of Pentecost. The fire of Pentecost. Fire. The fire. The fire. The fire of Pentecost. That's it. Come on, cloven tongues like as a fire in tongues like a fire. in tongues like a fire. Let's go. Let's start an epoch.